Hello and welcome to another episode of Corpse Talks where I talk about all the introspective things that go on in my mind um, as a young black British millennial, mid-twenties, living life really and um, I just wanted to document like some moments. I guess I'm using this as a self-care thing but I know that sharing it will perhaps help somebody else. So today's episode is as always introspersions of the self but it's related to I guess wins losses, highs, lows, peer pressure and autonomy to some extent and um, just to overshare a bit I got like some good news about two weeks ago and I was really happy maybe it wasn't two weeks ago maybe it was like a week and a half ago and I was ecstatic I shared it with some people and then recently I got some kind of mediocre news and that kind of disappointed me and it made me um, come back to centre and I had to rethink myself in terms of external validation who am I beyond the wins and achievements I get and will I always outdo who I was before what is the plan of my life am I trying to outdo who I was before am I rewriting you know um a good song that I really enjoy by Natasha Bedingfield is called these words and then there's a line in it where she says uh, nothing I write is ever good enough and I just find that lyrics so interesting and funny because that song is a hit firstly but it's this idea of always wanting to be perfect or a perfectionist that's something that I've kind of abandoned in some respects I just try to do as much as I can I don't believe in perfect but um something I am trying to get used to is developing myself to the best I can be there was a moment where I was kind of I guess betrothed to mediocrity but I was like as a black person I shouldn't have to be Uh, incredible I can just be average but that didn't even sit right with me and the way uh, my life has become even when I try to be mediocre someone tries to drag me out and do something brilliant with me so I guess people see something in me that I don't see but um in weighing these wins and it wasn't it wasn't even a loss but and this mediocrity I had to put myself at the center and say who am I when I'm not achieving something you know and uh, I went for a walk yesterday for about how many miles about 5.8 miles I think I did six miles but my phone died I downloaded an app called Strava and I just wanted to keep walking so I walked for about almost two hours straight just no pauses had a bottle of water and kept going and there's a nice natural reserve near my house not too far from it so I just spent time walking through that reserve lots of water it's like an acoustic there um, the sounds of birds, uh, water lapping the land, uh, ducks, uh, and it's high elevation. So I feel like I'm on top of the world and I'm walking there. It's like a new thing I found. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I posted it. And I was saying to myself, like, this is the apex. If I'm thinking of it as a metaphor, me being at the top of my world. And then eventually having to come back down to earth to return to my home was interesting for my uh, mindset, my sense of self. Um, I've been grappling with autonomy for a while, who I am, who I'm supposed to be and that gap. And um, I used to journal extensively, uh, extremely exponentially all the time, whenever I could. And it's a a uh, practice I abandoned a while back just because I thought to myself I was dwelling too much on the negatives I wasn't 
journaling effectively. You know, there's a process called bullet journaling where you take your piece of lined paper or notebook and you write feelings down and the feelings that you don't want with you, you scrap them. And then the feelings that you do want with you, like a gratitude journal, you keep them. But for me, I was just excreting on a page everything I felt good and bad. So when I was looking for the good in my days, I couldn't find them because it was muddled with the bad. So now I've decided to be a lot more intentional. I've bought a gratitude journal where I write my days out, but only the good things that have happened. And I still find that scratch, that urge to write about the negativity. So me being me, I fell victim to my woes and I've bought another journal. I can just write the sadness, but I'm trying to understand like with the wins and the losses or the mediocrities that everything is worth talking about, even the uncomfortable things, the disgusting things, the the, the um, uncomfortable sometimes give rise to a lot of what we see as activism today. You know, I think to... Uh, the collectives that we speak about when we talk about politics and radical politics, we understand that these are never politics of the self. They are often politics of the community. But in reading books by individuals, sometimes you will feel like this is one individual's praxis. This is one individual's idea. When reality, it often isn't. Um, And that's something I've really learned in terms of beauty of being understood by another person or being understood by the community I feel like it's sometimes more important than anything but we are often disengaged from them particularly in this pandemic you see a lot of I don't want to say fury but uh, a lot of discourse online where it can get very scary and uncomfortable when you see particular opinions being shared maybe you don't agree with it maybe you don't understand it maybe you do have the range maybe you don't care about the bigger picture maybe you're thinking from an individual's perspective whatever it is you ask yourself as a human being where do I fit and I'm constantly asking myself where do I fit um and it's not it's not something that I've I've managed to find an answer for as of yet. Um, I've made it my mission to try and, I guess, read and learn as much as possible, but also get to know a range of people. Because sometimes what's in the books is not necessarily all that is out there. Something that I'm learning with every industry, particularly publishing, is that we are constantly being shown a version of the story that is topical to the time let's say with these past five to six years you've seen I'm sure a surge of literature in terms of anti-racism and then you hear from the likes of Yajc, who is a woman who's quite low-key in my opinion uh, writing for the Guardian a few days ago and I read that article and it was talking about how anti-racism books are not enough to dismantle these systems that have been in place for years and I guess to some extent it speaks to the laziness or the misinformation of the majority of the population whereby they they don't really know how to reckon with the ills and difficulties of the state 
I know I sound very nebulous when I say this kind of stuff. It's because I'm still trying to configure the concrete sources. So as I was saying, um, of course, when I have a reference for something, I always mention it. But sometimes I'm just going off the dome, speaking on what's on my mind because I read a whole variety of things. And I'm not. this is not coursework for me. This podcast is definitely just a free thinking platform. So um, as I was saying, I try to mix as many perspectives as possible because I understand that we all live very diverse lives, nothing is static. So even something that related to me five years ago might not relate now. And a lot of what we read today presently is very ancient and old and pre-colonial, but because it wasn't popular then, we think it's new and it's novel. It feels like we're repackaging often. And I'm not opposed to that. It's just how many times do we have to get the message before we absorb it, you know? Life is constantly moving, as we've seen with this pandemic. A whole year has gone by. It's it's been a year. And um, we are still trying to contend with the fallout of how the government mishandled it. And still knowing that there will be more to handle is a scary prospect. I know for a lot of people, there's consideration of moving out of London, moving out of England, moving out of the UK. It's changed people's mindsets in a way that many would not expect. And um, I'm I'm not averse to change, but I'm always concerned about it. I like to ask different people's perspectives that I respect and trust about their opinions on decisions I'm making before I do them. But sometimes I am just like up and going because I don't want another person's opinion. And I guess that links back to the validation point. A friend of mine called me the other day talking about how she kind of felt behind in life. And I was trying to reason with her that your pace is your pace and your time is your time. And don't worry about the world. But I can understand how frustrating it can be when you feel like you're stuck in a cycle and people are hitting major milestones. And um, the way I try to comfort people when they express these themes is that I try to say that if you got all of your wins now in the five, ten years coming, what would you do for the rest of your life? You know, you can space these things out. You can do these things immediately. But I wouldn't be too concerned about when they get done. Rather, the fact that they get done is still important. You know, I've seen pictures of people graduating in their 60s and 70s. And as strange as it sounds, it's still valid. You know, life is long and it's meant to be lived. And a lot of us are rushing. And I guess that links to the whole social media addiction that a lot of people are dealing with um right now social media is a major form of connection for most people so how can you argue and get annoyed that people are using this platform but sometimes seeing things certain content can be disabling and unnerving uncomfortable and not something that you want to to engage or indulge in on a daily basis I often find myself detracting from it um and finding alternative sources of either entertainment or interest I've started using my app Libby again and I've been listening to different audiobooks and um I recently finished a book called Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshi and um it was a brilliant read it was about an unconventional and I say unconventional and I put that in um air quotes because what is convention what is the norm what is default as a woman who's a minority and the majority 
white country in Europe, I don't know what convention really is. I know I don't fit it, even if in my mind I do. I know that convention wasn't made for somebody like me, but it was this unconventional woman who is the daughter of a woman who ran away from her traditional home and uh, had her. And now this woman is married and she's cheated on her husband with a man her mom used to date. And it's it's a very rich story. I'd rather, I've kind of spoiled it, sorry. <laughs> I'd rather people read it and um, get to know it because it's a literature, it's a type of language that I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to fall in love with, the idea of the woman telling the woman's story from this alternative, and I don't like that word because it suggests that there's a normal default, but alternative point of view. It's about women who aren't too fond of children, who might be childless, who might not be in ma- marriages. Um, I also started This Mournable Body by Titsi Danjaremba. And um, that is, again, another read about a woman who is working and has become a teacher, but is single and childless and dealing with that as a woman who is not 20 and not 30 when you get to a certain age it's clear that women have I guess a sell-by date to some extent and we see this in employment when women decide to have children and of course there are attitudes that are changing towards that but and you come to the attention that you as a woman can be living undead but people be seeing you as a almost incomplete partial and that's a fear that is ingrained in women basically when they reach dirty and something that I wish we could abolish and abandon but it's becoming more clear in the way we speak about whether it's celebrity or family or friends, this idea that women above a certain age should be doing a certain thing, and if not, they are failures of their gender. I think in dealing with this, we create a lot of discomfort and dialogue as to what we as women are, what is femininity, and so far we've only seen a very European understanding of that but even perhaps the African understanding of it pre-colonial non-religious might not even suit our own diasporan selves you know as the child of Ghanaians there's obviously a perception of how women should be but then again I'm in Britain and um there's a different perception of what women could be but actually at the core it's not too different ironically and I don't know whether that's because of an importation of colonial laws or whether there's just a very conceptual idea that is universal as to what a woman should become and I recently got my hair cornrowed um, and um, it made me feel different about myself when I had my afro out, I mean, I had shaved hair for about three, four years. So um, I dealt with the politics of being like a bald-headed woman, let's say. And it was an interesting experience for me. I really encourage a lot of women to do it if you can. But seeing my hair grow out, 
and it being natural because I was relaxed before I had um, cut my hair and having to deal with the length, the thickness and all of this. And then eventually cane rowing it. It made me realise that there's nothing in life that I can't handle. And I don't want to associate like negative, harsh language or vocabulary with African forcey textured hair because there's already enough stigma around it. But it was this idea that when we are growing, we need to be able to care for ourselves. You know, there was a point whereby when my hair was growing, it was tangling and I couldn't be bothered to condition it. And because I couldn't be bothered to condition it, it was knotting. So when it was knotting, I couldn't comb it. And it was just this knock-on effect. And it was like how when you fall out one hurdle, you can fall out multiple. And then it had it got to a point where I had to get my sister to help me detangle it, basically. And that was a long process that I could have avoided if I had just moisturize it at the outset and I guess that's a lesson for life whereby if you stay on track as early as possible you can hit those milestones you know you oil your hair properly you get that hair length check and if you get that hair length check then you can do that new hairstyle that you want to do and if you want to do that new hairstyle you'll get a thousand likes on that Instagram post like it's a knock-on effect but once you fall at one hurdle every hurdle can feel like it's flopped a woman can think she's getting engaged or married and that not happen and then there's no child and then there's no house and it's like if only I'd gotten the engagement and you don't really know what life throws at you you keep going and I guess this short but hopefully succinct episode is about is hopefully never writing yourself off when something that isn't too pleasant comes your way when I got my win, I was gassed, I was happy, I was like, yeah, I deserve this, happy, tears of joy. Then a couple days later, I get, like, some different unfortunate news, and I'm like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. And I definitely just would say, with my unprovoked advice, live through it, be through it, do what you can in every space, don't let anyone or anyone tell you differently as to what you should do if it doesn't feel good at your core because your core will dictate the rest of your life and it's what you're doing with yourself you know I recently started writing again and that really made me happy and writing is not my full-time job it's just like a hobby but it's something I just love to do and that form of expression made me feel good it's not something that I'm trying to fiscally profit from in a monetary way and I'm not even trying to platform myself as I'm writing anymore. I'm just writing privately with journaling and editing. And that that pedestals me in some weird way that is different from the platforming that I, I guess, was told is the barometer for success. That if this website publishes you or posts you, which of course I'm always happy and proud of, but not so obsessed with I think a lot of us obsess and associate excellence with particularly the white gaze the male gaze what we think people want from us what people think we should do 
And once you dissociate from that, you really come into a different kind of power. And that's a power I'm trying to lean into. I believe that's what Audre Law talks about when she speaks about uses of the erotic. It's this creative, thick energy within you that you could basically invest in anything. I think that's what makes women powerful mothers. I think that's what makes women incredible, successful business leaders, house owners, beauty gurus, whatever. Whenever it comes to women, we put all into whatever we're doing. But it's important to know, I guess, where you're best laid, you know, in terms of efficiency and resource. You can always parcel yourself out to many, many different spaces. Or you can just train yourself to do one or two. It's completely your choice. And I love that about life. I love that you can do a stint in motherhood and then go back to work and then become a business owner or an investor and then go to a clerical job, become a grandparent. And you can do all of these things at once or you can do them one at a time. And no one is actually dictating, especially if you're in the West. There's a lot of privilege here for us women in the West. No one is truly dictating what and where and how you should do it. But then again, I have to think back to my my barometers for success and I have to say to myself, sometimes the things that we are associating with excellence are Eurocentric, you know? There are women who are very much fulfilled as mothers alone, back home. Um, some aren't, though. It's about the plurality of people. It's never about, okay, this is what the archaic and um, archetypal woman should be. It's how many places do you belong? Because it could be multiple. I guess that goes back to the idea of being a nomad, of never really trying to settle in one place. You always hear the identity complex that a lot of people will be dealing with in the Bildung's Roman of their lives, you know, that teenage to adulthood space. Who am I? Where do I belong? And it's this big question that everyone is constantly grappling with in novels and documentaries and, and books and life. And even in your academic literature, you'll find people say, where does this belong? And the truth is, is that perhaps it's just, there is no destination. There is always a beginning. But, Perhaps there is there doesn't have to be one end. I think we need to get comfortable with the grey and not be so into binary thinking. Once we start blending colours, blending ideas, we'll find that there's a lot of harmony in a lot of the things that we think disconnect us. And so I guess I would encourage people, because I, I had a dip, let me overshare a bit, I had a dip in my in my emotional well-being just yesterday when I was like seeing things on my phone and my Instagram that um I made me feel small you know I thought I am not these people on my explore page and then I had to remind myself and reaffirm that I can be these people if I want to be and not being these people doesn't make me any lesser so it's not to blackball those people, but it's also not to undermine myself that I am a less of a person because I don't look or appear or aspire to what they want in life. And that's okay. And I know there's other people who experience that and, and some 
are comfortable sharing it, some aren't, and I'm not one to advise either way. I'm just on a journey, and I'm trying to share as much of it as possible, hence this podcast episode. So, yeah, I guess this is my admission that I'm going back to journaling. Um, I guess in some way podcasts are verbal journals, but I am going back to written journaling, even though I swore I would abandon it. But um, I think I'm going to do it hopefully more responsibly, um, have a gratitude journal for the good moments and have a thought journal for the for the difficult moments and um, keep centering myself on what I want to do and be, knowing that I have a dream job on the horizon and so many more things in my life to achieve. Or perhaps not many things in my life to achieve, but just a goal is always good. Whether you achieve it or not, it's always good. And I guess that's what I'm sharing for today. And hopefully I have an inkling to share something else another day. I'm really not trying to time these um, podcasts. I just share them off the dome and see what I can say about what's going on. So that's today's podcast and I hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to hearing, not hearing anything, (laughs) look forward to sharing another episode when another train of thought enters my mind. Hope you take care and thank you for listening to Cork's Talks.